Hello, dear ones, and welcome to Subtle Medicine Radio, brought to you by InnerSpark. This is the resource for all things holistic healing, natural living, conscious relating, epic life changing, and spirituality, all steeped in earth-based wisdom. We're your hosts, Devin. And I'm Mike. And on today's show, episode five, part two of our chakra series, sacral and solar plexus chakras, we'll discuss the implications and meaning of these two centers, how they correspond with physical areas in our bodies, some healing practices for them, and more. So let's get into it. Last week, we went over kind of the chakra system as a whole, and then dove deeply, no pun intended, into the root. So now we're building on that, going up to the second chakra, the sacral chakra. And this is the pelvic area. and it stores your creative life force. This is where our ability to receive and engage in the rhythms of nature are stored. These are our literal and metaphorical waters, our lunar energies, our emotional intelligence, and so it's no coincidence that it also houses our reproductive organs. In the body, signs of an imbalanced sacral chakra may look like challenges with the reproductive organs, menstruation, urinary or kidney issues, and and low back problems, feeling creatively constipated, emotionally over or under expressive, and carrying lots of feelings of guilt and shame are also associated with this area. And guilt and shame are truly killers. They're universal emotions, and I've often said that the root of all human suffering is some kind of flavor of the there's something wrong with me story. And this story is one that is always very steeped in guilt or shame. So our second chakra can be wounded most often um, because of betrayals of some kind throughout our life. And that results in us internalizing guilt and shame rather than expressing our hurt. We take responsibility on some level for the hurt that was done to us. And instead of expressing, we stagnate. So we can see the root chakra building from last week. If there is a trauma that is experienced, we will lose our ability to feel safe and to feel stable. And we most often will turn whatever happened, like I just said, into us feeling guilty and shameful for whatever happened. So if there is no safety in the system, this area is really going to suffer. This is a receptive center of our body. And to be in a state of receptivity and flow requires a lot of safety. And if we're perceiving that our fundamental needs aren't being met, it's damn near impossible to receive. So if any of the challenges or trauma that we've been through resulted in lack of safety or being in this fight or flight place, then everything else, like I really, really, really stressed in last week's episode, everything else in our lives is going to suffer. And we can see that very clearly in the next step up of the soul's evolution when we look at the chakra system. And as I said, it's like a a metaphor for our soul's evolution. It's going to be really difficult to be in that receptive place and to really engage with life when there is no safety. So some things to enliven this area of our body. I mentioned affirmations last week, and so I'm going to give those for each of the seven. And things that can really soothe this area are affirmations like, I have the right to feel. Life is pleasurable. Creativity is my birth. My feelings are sacred teachers and I extract information from them. My sexuality is sacred. Some healing practices are creative expression of any kind. Whatever you love to do, do it. So pottery, painting, dancing, singing, 
Anything that is a way for you to express is very healing. Anything that gets your emotions releasing and flowing. Emotional freedom technique or tapping is an amazing practice as well. Any type of expressive arts, therapy, and movements, so creating images and literally engaging with them, dancing with them, moving in response to them, harvesting wisdom from them, that's a practice in and of itself and it has been a very powerful tool for my journey and I use it with my clients. Other practices like pleasure, and yes, that could be sexual pleasure in a safe space with yourself or with another, and also just looking at areas in your life that you're withholding pleasure from yourself. Like, are you eating your meals and not appreciating the flavors or the colors? Are you doing things that you enjoy but aren't fully there because you're stressing out about the next thing you have to do. So really allowing yourself to receive pleasure. Being in and around water. So this area is our our literal and metaphorical waters, literally because it's the kidneys and all the fluids of the body, and metaphorically because it's emotions, tears, and and our ability to flow with life. So being around water, being in water is very healing. Moon bathing, which is a lot like sunbathing, however you're in moonlight, is incredibly healing and really activates the lunar qualities of our being. And finally, honoring the rhythms and cycles of nature and your own rhythms and cycles, and that's regardless of gender. So women, it's easy for us because, well, not, (laughs) let me backtrack, it's it can be easy if we're tuned in and a lot of us myself included have had challenges with our femininity and with honoring our own rhythms and cycles and our and our menstrual flow so regardless of gender these rhythms and cycles are living through us in one way shape or form you know the days the months the the sun the moon there's there's cycles all around us so really honoring that and allowing yourself to to dance with creations incredibly healing and also can be incredibly challenging right because it's kind of against our societal upbringing and kind of being like the same all the time so some herbs and essences and foods to really love up on this area. Um, They're very similar ones to the ones I gave last week for the root. So adaptogenic lovelies like hormone loving maca root is very helpful. Shatavari, raspberry leaf, nettles, and oat straw. Foods like sweet potatoes, carrots, leafy greens, and fruits, especially mangoes and papaya, are just such a friend, especially to women. Really, really healing. And then lastly, flower essences. Basically, the entire lily family and the entire hibiscus family have a very, very big affinity for the sacral chakra, and each of the colors has a different signature, a different type of medicine that they offer. Um, But both lilies and hibiscuses really, really work on the second chakra. So that's what I have for the sacral area. Mike, do you have any questions? Yeah, thanks. Actually, I do have two questions. Questions. One was in something that you had said about under-expressing and over-expressing. Under-expressing is something that I'm very familiar with personally and is something that I struggle with. I've never heard of over-expressing though. I don't know if that's because more people just have a problem with under-expressing or why that is. So uh, what exactly do you mean by over-expressing and what does that look like? Fantastic question. Emotions and emotional expression is very healthy for all human beings. We we need to do this. We need to have that energy be in motion and not stagnate. That is the very definition of an emotion, energy in motion. And so a lot of times if there is overexpression, someone is being so swept up in the emotion that they're like identifying with it 
and not allowing it to be the energy that it is and the kind of weather that it is. I love that Pima... Pima children. Yeah, that quote that, that she had that I read once. Um, everything else is just... You're the sky and everything else is just the weather. That's that's beautiful. And it's it's just how emotions are intended to be. So somebody who's overexpressing is like so wrapped up and involved in them that they don't understand that this is like a temporary thing. This is something that is going to be moved through and they get kind of really swept up and overtaken and can't really separate like that never changing kind of watcher aspect of themselves with this emotion that's this temporary thing. And so everything is highly dramatic. Everything is like a catastrophe or, you know, and, and this is very different than just like feeling deeply and being very sensitive because I feel very deeply and I'm very sensitive and I've been told my whole life that, you know, oh, you're too sensitive. So that's not what I'm talking about. This group of people is a lot smaller and rarer than the underexpressers. Okay. Underexpressing is, I mean, I feel like everyone, most, right. most everyone has that, that issue, right? So the overexpressing people is a lot smaller group of people. And so each of them will manifest in a slightly different way. Okay. Awesome. Uh, the other question I had was about guilt and shame. You said that those are carried in the second chakra or they can affect the second chakra. Yes. I think it's very interesting that the second chakra is associated with our creativity and our sexuality and also with shame and guilt, especially in our culture and society where sexuality is so tightly, tightly tied to shame and guilt. They, they go together so much. We have so much body shame. We have so much uh, just, yeah, those, those two go together so closely, shame and guilt and our sexuality. That's something that jumps out to me as, you know, what I'm always calling myself the skeptic, as they're onto something with this system where you've identified a connection in, even if it's just thoughts and ideas and using this system as a way to move through those things. And we can get into deeper levels about the physiological connections and the energetic connections, but just to recognize that we do have that kind of trauma that we carry and can affect our relationships. So I was wondering if you could expound on that any if there's anything there like why is it that shame and guilt is housed in the same place as our sexuality and creativity i think for the very reason you just said like that was perfect i don't you're, you're like expound upon this um okay you just did steal right. my thunder um yes yeah, so there's so much that i can go into so shame guilt sexuality creativity they go together they're not separate things and i think especially in our culture it's like sexuality is just like sex you know, it's just right. like physical bodies doing physical body things and creativity is something different. And it's like, no, sex is like Shakti. It is that primal life force, which is incredibly creative. It creates and destroys everything. So it's it's not just like, you know, sex. It's the physical act of sex. And I'm like making obscene hand gestures like people listening <laughs> can see me. Um, yeah, it's, it's also tied to our creativity. So whenever there is, and, and these things are very natural, just parts of being human. We want to express, we want to connect, we want to receive, we want to engage with life. And all of that is a very erotic, meaning to be alive thing. And it's a very natural thing. And 
So when we experience some type of of trauma that makes us kind of question if the place that we're in is safe, meaning like, you know, earth and in this body, is this a safe place to be? It can it can really make us question like whether or not even just our basic human desires are okay or are safe as well. And so we still have them because we're human. So that adds even more shame and guilt on top of kind of internalizing whatever happened to us that is already making us feel guilty and shameful. So it becomes like this vicious circle. I've had so many female clients, and I can include myself in this, where there was something that happened, most of the time a sexual trauma that occurred that can be a very shameful experience for a variety of reasons. It's it's taboo in our society. It's not talked about, you know, as a woman, oh, you know, all the other stories that come along with it. And I, I won't get into that right now. And they were experiencing different hormonal imbalances or even issues, just issues with the cycle. The cycle was very heavy or very painful. And when we, when we dig into and see what they're holding on to and kind of shift into that and release it, it's like their periods completely change. If they were missing, they returned. If they were super painful, they start to ease up. And so all the lifestyle protocols that you want to throw at them are great. And we have so many beautiful alternative methods to hormonal health and women's cycles than just like birth control pills, thank goodness. And so herbs and foods and exercises and yoga and meditation, they're all phenomenal. And they're still just kind of symptom treaters. So when you can get in and address the underlying what flavor of shame and guilt are you carrying, um, that's when the real changes can happen. Awesome. And I also want to throw in one last thing about the uh, masculine perspective on cycles is that I cannot necessarily relate to having, you know, lunar cycles, but there are cycles that we all go through every single day. I am not the same person at 6 a.m. noon and 6 p.m. And it may not exactly be a mother, maiden, and crone kind of thing for me, but it is. It is real. And so I know that I'm affected by those things as well. You're so hot right now. <laughs> Your mother, maiden, and crone times yeah. of day cycles. I love it. We should do a whole like period show. All right. That just came to me. Because there's so much more to say about this and so much more to say. But we could do a whole series on, on the sacral chakra because it's really the lower three are so important. And I mean, the root is my favorite. It is the most important. And those lower three, because they really are our base human things. And yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Yeah. So should we get into the solar plexus one now? Let's. Let's. Before Let's we run go, out of time. Right? <laughs> okay. So this is our place. We're moving up the body. We're now in that kind of gut area around the belly button. And this is our place of courage and will and identity as sovereign individuals. So it's where we individuate and and come into ourselves. And in the body, an imbalanced solar plexus chakra can manifest as digestive problems, absorption issues, diabetes, insulin resistance, blood sugar dysregulation, hypertension, liver and gallbladder system disorders, muscular disorders, and chronic fatigue. Being a type A personality, which I would know nothing about, <laughs> right. with manipulative tendencies, angry outbursts, and a competitive nature are signs of an overactive solar plexus chakra. So there's, we talked about, you can have deficiencies and overactivity. So a deficient solar plexus chakra is going to look like being a pushover, being easily manipulated, having poor self-discipline, being unreliable, and feeling just kind of general low confidence in oneself. 
experiencing times of powerlessness, especially early in life, and or having overbearing caretakers can result in feeling weak-willed and unsure about one's authentic identity. Additionally, any unresolved woundings to lower chakras makes it difficult to fully assert ourselves. Think about it. If you don't feel safe on some level, it's going to be a lot harder to feel like a courageous, sovereign individual. The subtle imprints, again, create the gross 3D experience of our lives. If we don't feel safe, it's difficult to receive in an unpolluted way and to then engage in life. And then from there, so that right, that was the root, the sacral. So from there, we're not safe. We don't, we're not receiving, we're not engaging. And it's going to be really tough to know who the hell we are from that space and to be the sovereign being that we are. Because our ability to be here and to receive and to then extract and discern, which is what takes place in the third chakra, is like all kinds of messed up. So what can we do to help this really, really important, powerful area? Some affirmations again. And I talked about it in episode one. I used to be so like, ew, affirmations are so new age hokey. They don't work. And I have actually come to really appreciate them. And I shared the practice that I use with them back in the previous episode. Is that episode four? Yes. Yes. All right. So some affirmations for the solar plexus chakra. I have the right to autonomy and to know my personal power. Damn straight. I balance my will with the will of others. I can express my power I am a sovereign being. Can I get an aho? Aho. Thank you. So healing practices. And this is where it gets tricky because this one in particular, this one chakra in particular is very good at being like extreme or not extreme, like deficient or overactive. And so each one needs the other's medicine if that makes sense. So those that are really weak in this area require things like vigorous exercise, risk-taking. And while those that are pretty dominant in this area and are abusing their personal power maybe require more lunar energy, reflection, slowness, and self-inquiry. And so the, the intention for both is to come into right relationship with their power. So those that are kind of on the shadow side and exerting it a little bit too much from a place that's really a place of fear. It's not like authentic, you know, um, right relationship use of power it's like uh you know those people you meet that are just kind of like assholes and their boundaries right. are up and obviously just like... compensating for something right right so and then you the, the, the opposite of that is the people that you meet that are very kind of weak-willed and like no backbone and you just want to go like shake them or like help them and just be like please like stick up for yourself stop saying sorry stop you know whatever it may be and so each one of them needs the other one's medicine so the extreme people need to take a hint from the other guys and then the other guys need some of the extreme people's ways but both from an authentic place so herbs foods and flower essences since this is an area that's all about literally and metaphorically digesting life and discerning supporting powerful digestive function is key and it's really amazing so usually the camp overcompensating abusing my power people are more prone towards malabsorption issues and diarrhea the other people are more prone towards constipation but in both cases like i i've never not seen somebody not come with digestive issues how many more double negatives can i put in that right. sentence <laughs> but you you get you get what i'm saying because i know you're tracking with me so if you have, you know, camp type A diarrhea people who also, by the way, are the ones that are showing up more with adrenal insufficiency issues too. So it's all starting to show. It's all starting. We're, we're, we're making the, the avatar, if you will, of the different people. Those people really benefit from the more cooling digestive support 
peppermint and aloe. The other guys, so if we're needing to turn up the fire, things like ginger and black pepper are going to be phenomenal. And always just ensuring everything you can for optimal digestion. That really helps this place of the body energetically and physically. And we're gonna have a digestive show coming up here in a few weeks. So depending on where you check out on the spectrum, more fiery foods and spices and peppers may serve to rekindle the fire or more docile, peaceful foods that pacify the kind of hyper pseudo power. Um, so think more earthy, grounding and bland foods that are easy to digest. And lastly, for flower essences, dandelion essence is lovely for enlivening and balancing this center. So either way that you're kind of favoring on the spectrum, dandelion will, will bring it into balance and kind of instead still an authentic use of power. Borage is beautiful for finding greater depths of courage. So for those that are kind of weaker in this area, borage can be phenomenal for kind of turning up the, the courage and helping you to come into that place of sovereignty and right relationship with your power. All right. So if I'm understanding what you're saying about the solar plexus chakra, it's the it's all about the authentic use of power. Some people are using their power in an inauthentic way and other people are just not using their power at all and what we're looking for is balance which is different than what i've usually heard and i'm not very well versed in this kind of thing but i've heard so much about what we can do to strengthen this or strengthen that and it seems like there's a go 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 mentality even in the yogic kind of community that thing can show up so this is the first time that I've really heard it being so much about balance. And this makes perfect sense for anything that we want to truly strengthen. We don't just go, go, go with it. Even running, for example, we can take intervals. Not everything's a marathon. Or if you do want to run a marathon, there are ways to train for it. And if you're weightlifting, you don't just go and pick up the heaviest thing you can find and just lift it as many times as you can. So... We know that in our daily physical activities, there are ways to hurt ourselves and harm ourselves with those kinds of actions. And I think that seeing that balance in our energetic, emotional levels is very eye-opening for me. So my question is, how do you find that kind of balance? Sometimes it can be hard to tell if we are, it's hard to tell which side of the spectrum we're on. And my thought is that it's kind of like hanging a picture. You're too close to it. You need somebody who's standing across the room to tell you if it's off balance. And that's where having a good teacher or somebody who's qualified helping you out can be that for you. But we don't have a teacher with us all the time. We don't have a guru standing over our shoulder all day. So just for our own personal practice throughout the day, what's something that you might recommend for somebody who's trying to find that balance? Well, call me, of course, and sign up for... No, I'm, just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, I'm not kidding. And okay. So honestly, I, I love what you said about we don't have a guru looking over our shoulder. And my initial reaction is like, yeah, well, you, yes, you do. Like there's that piece of you that's just constantly observing and is uninvolved and is that that perspective. And so the key is to tap into that person, that piece of you, and allow them to be more in your embodied experience. And so some gentle self-inquiry. Would you call that like an intuition, an intuitive voice, or? Sure, I mean, you can call it whatever you want to. I, I personally have come to know it as my 
my high self, you know, and if that doesn't check out for you, I see you smirking at me like, oh, well, no, I, I, age high self. yeah, no, but yeah, it, it, it could be spirit, it could be your intuition, it could be your Buddha nature, your Buddha nature, yeah, sure, it sure. could be anything, but I feel like we all have that. And so the key is to stabilize our neurotic delusions that are always on the go to maintain and feed this illusion that we have of ourselves and our lives. So to stabilize ourselves, to allow that to kind of be the driving factor, to give us that perspective while we're, like you said, when we, when we hang a picture, we can't tell if it's straight or not. We need someone behind us right. to gain perspective. And so we always have access to that. And some ways to, to stabilize ourselves and find that really embodiment practices. So getting out of your head and into the body, meditation quieting and and really um i don't want to say pick apart what's in your brain but just allow it all to be without getting involved in it it's kind of like uh, when i was explaining the the overexpressing emotion person for back in the sacral chakra like there is little to no separation for that person and so we can see that showing up in a, in a variety of different ways when there's no separation and we're really involved in whatever pain and trauma we have that's when the third chakra may manifest as this kind of asshole person who's like over abusing their power and compensating for something so that particular thing and i really hope i'm making sense to you right now that particular thing of being so in like wallowing in your own shit and not having that perspective shows up in your life in it's like every single way in your body in your health in your relationships everything so doing what you can to gain that perspective and like i i've given you examples of embodiment meditation um reaching out and having some type of of healer in your life like a good a good coach or mentor or guide who is also always doing their work because there's a lot of people out there who aren't doing their work too um what other what other practices do you like that help you kind of keep perspective well there's all kinds of mindfulness and practices that help me and I'm almost afraid to mention them because they've become so cliche. Uh, everybody talks about mindfulness and things like that, but taking, uh, just taking a deep breath and thinking about what's going on. I have a mantra. I don't know if it, I would call it an affirmation. Uh, no, we've mentioned that recently, but there are certain verses in some of the sutras that really help me. And one is that wisdom and compassion are not different. So if you act compassionately, you are inherently acting wisely. You cannot be both wise and incompassionate. And I had previously thought that wisdom was something that you cultivated on your own, but wisdom without compassion is just cunning and that can be cruel. But that kind of brings to me a sense of balance and I don't know if I can explain it any better as to why it does, but it just does for me. I think that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And part of your original question was how to find balance. And it's it's not a fixed destination. It's not a place to get to. It is always changing. You are always changing. Like you said earlier, you're not the same person at 6 a.m., noon, 6 p.m. You're not the same person today that you're going to be a year from now. And so it's always doing what is needed in the moment and learning to be a witness to yourself and practice true self-care and radical self-responsibility by learning to discern what's needed in the moment and be okay with that and be fluid with it. And working with the shockers is a fabulous place to start. And our ebook guide on our website has even more practices that can really, really be supportive. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. If you love 
loved the show and want to learn more, be sure to subscribe to it, leave us a review on iTunes, share the wisdom with a friend, and visit www.innerspark.life to learn more. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions about today's show, so deepen the conversation with us on social media at InnerSparkLife on Instagram and Facebook. And catch us next time for part three of our chakra series where we'll go over the heart and throat chakras. So much love to you until then.